Here we go. Well, welcome guys to the Rooted Four podcast. We are recording live right now on YouTube and on Facebook. So I hope you guys are having a fantastic Monday. And I'm here with our guest, uh, Mark. And um, we are excited to be able to just talk about uh, several different areas within Mark's experience and life. And he fits into a lot of these categories with the Rooted Four podcast, faith, family, finance, and fitness. Uh, and so go ahead and just introduce yourself for just a couple moments here uh, about who you are and what you love about life. Perfect. Thanks for having me, Matt. Um, so without further ado, I'm going to try to give you a compressed version of what I like to call three big major chunks of my life of spanning three decades, which I could do in a few minutes to keep it fresh, exciting, and moving. And then obviously we can go back and touch on anything. And then once we have some more people, if they hop on or things of that nature, we can go back. So the best way I would say is without talking about, so I was born in New York and I raised there my whole life. So we'll just skip a, a bunch of uh, decades right there. But right out of college, uh, I would say the first F to touch upon would be finance. So um, I love telling this story because I graduate from college. I have this business management and a minor in marketing. And now I need to go to the work and get a job. And how do I get the job? My mom goes to a party the next Saturday night. Some random guy is just flexing his chest and playing with his suspenders literally and taking big wads of cash out. And my mom turns around and goes, so what do you do for a living? And he says, I'm a stockbroker. And uh, my mom says, well, my son just got out of school last week and he's thinking about, you know, going into finance. He's hired. He starts Monday. That was my job interview. Wow. So, yeah, just like that. So I had no idea. I'm literally out of school a week. And uh, I went to this brokerage firm and uh, I believe it was David Black and Company to remind myself. And it was a biotech firm specializing a lot of initial public offerings of biotech companies. A uh, guy was worth like hundreds, millions back wow. then, which was now the equivalent of probably multi-billionaire. And uh, we had at it. Fast forward, I did that throughout different firms for many, many years. Uh, and then at one point, without getting into, again, a decade of finance, I had progressively tried different things. So we went from retail brokerage, and then it was Forex and commodities and currencies. And finally, I landed myself at the big bank. Now we're really serious. You know, no more wild stockbroker days. Uh, if you ever saw the movie Boiler Room, that was pretty much my lifestyle. And I was Vin Diesel, both looking and acting and doing everything he was doing maybe a little bit less money and a little bit less partying than those guys did. Uh, Wolf of Wall Street wasn't even a thought concept or an idea or a movie at that point. So, um, you know, as far as the finance piece to keep tying it back into the title uh, of your podcast, uh, I was doing it everywhere from pennies, dollars, millions, hundreds, millions. So finally in my last stop, when I was at the bank, I was handed a book of business of under, I want to say 11 million. And over the next three, four years, I turned it to over $110 million. So I over almost 10x the book. Uh, in the process, I made the bank very rich. Well, not very rich, but they made a lot more than I did, obviously. Uh, I made clients some money, but I really wasn't fulfilled. You know, when you make somebody worth five, 10, 20 million dollars, thousand bucks on a trade here or there, 
or you save him a quarter point on a car loan or a mortgage, you know, they're like, great, I can uh, buy a new belt or a cool suit or it just wasn't fulfilling. P.S. In the process of all of that, I gained probably solid 50 plus pounds and four clothing sizes um, because you're just eating and drinking and whining and dining and taking people out. So where this all finally comes to a head, I'll never forget clear as day. We go to Port St. Lucie, Florida on vacation, like a good New Yorker does and goes to Florida. And um, I went into this gym and a guy says to me, hey, you want a free personal training session? It's on me. And I'm like, yeah, I benched 400, I squat this, I deadlift that. He's like, that's great. No machines, no barbells, no dumbbells, all plyo. You're going to do box jumps. You're going to do battle ropes. You're going to do kettlebells. You're going to do body weight. P.S., I was broken 25 minutes in. I remember laying on the floor, staring at the ceiling, gasping for air, going, what good is like all this money that I've been trying to create for years if I'm not alive or if I'm not healthy or if I can't hang out with kids because I wanted the next F family. I didn't have one at this point. I have my girlfriend, which I think at that point became fiance, somewhere along the line became wife. Um, But then I said, this just can't be. So we go back to New York and I walk in and I quit. And I walk across the street and I grab my wife who's working at a huge ad agency and say, you quit too. And we're moving to Florida and I'm going to be involved with fitness because I want to be fit and I want to be healthy. I'll figure out the money. Okay. So we go. And we went to Florida and now who's going to hire like this fat New Yorker guy in Florida to be a trainer. So I had to work on me. So I actually took off over 50, 60 pounds and I dropped all four clothing sizes, got into the best shape of my life, had a bunch of licenses, start picking up clients. I'm learning the craft of personal training. P.S. By God's design, we got caught in the largest housing correction in history. And um, then we had to make a judgment call. Do we want to stay here while the houses next door to us had like lawns growing five feet tall and uh, copper pipes they were breaking in and stealing him like it was something out of a bad movie and we said let's go back to New York so we go back to New York and I start working in big box clubs New York sports club uh, for those who are familiar they have a few hundred clubs regionally in the east coast and now here I am the trainer the assistant manager the manager give him the club that no one could do Staten Island they had 32 managers in under 14 years, was the only one to make it over six months. So finally, PS, after almost a year there and turning it around, that's when the floodgates opened up. So they gave me a bunch of clubs to run. And 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 now- I I want to go back over to the the fitness side of it. Losing 50, 60 pounds, uh, what kind of mindset did you have during that? Because you said, hey, you you were obviously able to build that that wealth side, the financial side of things, uh, but going to the fitness, it's hard to be able to stay committed. And so we might have someone listening that might need to lose, you know, maybe even a hundred pounds and they might have gone on a, you know, a two week workout spree and then they quit. Like, how did you continue that journey? Like what motivated you through that? hundred percent. So yeah, listen, you know, it's funny because we're going to talk a lot about mindset in a little bit as I look at my own hat and the t-shirt where, you know, where I got that from but that person wasn't really in my life yet. 
I had listened to that person um, full circa actually in brokerage and started wiring my brain about mindset, mm -hmm. which actually to tie this all in, this is why I love live as we just go from here and there's no wrong answer. When I was in the brokerage firms, I'll never forget, I was listening to the CDs to date myself. And I knew people who knew the cassettes. So if you really want to date yourself um, of Tony Robbins. And I remember he said, go out and get a picture of something because they were all about visualization, laws of attraction. You know, these are buzzwords we hear in all these clubhouse rooms and Zooms now, but this is way back. So all my friends went out and got like pictures of Lambos and Ferraris and jet planes. And we're all living at home, making a few hundred bucks a week. And I will never forget. I said, you know what? I want a black Lexus. So I went to the car dealer, Ray Katina in Jersey. I'll never forget. And I'm like, I need a brochure with a black on black Lexus, like a two page layout. And he says, well, we don't have one. I go, you got to order one. He's like, you're going to buy one. I was like, get me the book. He gets me the book. P.S. I put it in front of my monitors and I dialed and dialed and dialed. And guess what? I got the car and the ones next to me who had their million, zillion, billion dollar goals, you know, they got none of it. So A, the way I tie this all in was you need the visualization and you need to be realistic. Fast forward, the piece where this all relates is that same guy who broke me that day. Yeah. I said, I need to be friends with him. I need to hang out with him. I need to train with him. And I hired him to train me a little. And while he's training me, I'm training myself. I'm learning. So to answer about the mindset, it's a few things. One, it's if I can take a book of business and almost 8X plus it, why can't I take 50 pounds off myself? It's so in right. law of averages or numbers, a lot easier feat to do. Um, and what would I do? I would go out and get those magazines like the muscle and fitness and flex magazine and all. And I would literally take pictures, put them, put them in the gym, put them in the garage, put them wherever, just so you can always be seeing all these other people. And I'm like, wow, you know, look at these guys' bodies. Like, how do they even get like that? And I think what I was doing was I almost was subconsciously priming my brain and I would get pictures of people that were like, you know, 20 levels above and beyond of anything I even wanted to be. Because if I even were striving towards that goal, my body would just change drastically. Um, and then off the cuff, I always love fitness. I always love going to the gym. Um, to me, like, I don't know how to not go to the gym. Uh, you know, to me, you know, yeah, you take the rest day here and there, or you get injured, maybe, you know, you take off a little bit, but knock wood, I've been going for decades. So that really got, them. because you weren't going to the gym though, but it was really like when you, when you decide that this is what I want, I'm going to, I have to, to go for that. And did you feel like, because you were so consistent for a long time that that's like, it just became a habit for you it just like became of like who you are yeah you know it becomes who you are it's so funny you just said that there are just some people that just don't work out you know truth be told my wife uh, i love her to death we're together uh, over 25 years from dating till now i haven't trained her three times um it's just the way she's wired i've tried to i've asked to i've paid this gentleman that taught me right yeah. in front of me to train her 
because she'll listen to him, not her husband. Um, but again, some people just like it and some people just don't. I love it. I can't imagine not being in a gym after a couple of days. So, you know, it was a combo of a lifestyle that I've kind of created, but instead of, you know, a couple days a week and doing thick clunky movements to say swollen, you know, I would go five days a week and do cardio and watch what I'm eating. And then it also shifts from a vanity piece to a health piece. And that is a big monster change mentally, physically, you know, when you're a single guy, how much can I bench? How much can I squat? How much can I deadlift? How big can I get? Sun's out, guns out, all this kind of junk. And that was our life. But then now you're getting married and you want to be a dad and you want to play soccer with your kids and basketball and football when they're younger. So I almost now was like looking ahead. A lot of my friends were looking back. I used to do this. I used to do that, you know, and you know, what's that old saying? I'm probably going to butcher it up, but uh, the past is a mystery. No, I'm sorry. The past is history. The future is a mystery, but the present is a present. And that's why they call it a gift or something like that. So I was focusing on now and ahead rather than a lot of people who were like trying to get sick and clunky like they used to. Right. And looking backwards, that's a, it doesn't do you any good, right? You can look, I mean, you can look back and be like, well, this is something that I conquered. This is what I accomplished, which, but looking forward, that's the direction we're going. It's like, what can you do today? Not, Hey, what did I do yesterday? You know, celebrate the wins, but um, to really be able to focus on moving forward and and going past that. Uh, And so when you were during that, um, I know we wanted to get into mindset here in a little bit, but uh, that focus, because that, that takes a lot of dedication, like the 40, 50 pounds. And I'm, I'm kind of getting stuck on that for a moment, but it is that mindset shift. And um, there is something about it. I know for personally, for me, I, I ran 20 some miles a while back. And it was like, there was a moment where it didn't really, I didn't even feel the, the, uh, the element of running anymore. It was literally just that I'm going, I just Keep didn't going. stop. Yeah. Um, yep. And so did what, what process do you feel like that that happens for you? Um, like what's, what is your like moment that that light switch clicks on? Or is it something that you always have that because you've built that muscle memory when you're working out? I think I kind of always have it, but it's degrees of dialing it up or down. Okay. So I like to give you know, in my own journey of that, because it was a different journey to go from, you know, 250, 260 to 200 and from a 40 to 44 waist to 34. Because mm-hmm. back then it was, you know, I thought of it in chunks. I got to lose 20 pounds. I have to lose a clothing size. I have to lose another 20. I have to lose another clothing size. So I did micro goals within the whole bigger piece. Because, you know, again, when you say, all right, I'm going to lose 50 pounds and four clothing sizes, go. It's not that easy. Is it doable? Yes. Is it hard? Yes. Is it impossible? No. Is it easy? No. So I like to say, all right, I got to get to the 42. I got to get to the 40. You know, and then I remember getting a little sticky. Usually after you lose a couple clothing sizes, you get a little sticky point. Your body's like, okay. We've done this. We're good. Leave us alone. 
And that's where it gets a little, hmm, okay, now you're doing, you know, more battle ropes, more cardio, less carbs. Now you're changing eating. Now you're, you know, believe it or not, and your mind is so, like, it gets very cranky during some of these phases. I don't have to tell you, um, and you'll be experiencing that in day question mark of 75 hard. Um, you know, some people feel it in day one, but I say day one's nothing. Talk to me on day seven. Talk to me on day 23. Talk to me on day 45 when you're like, what does bread taste like? And my body is just sore. But the end result is that this will be better to look X, Y, Z way and be healthier than whatever that is you're putting in your mouth tastes. Right. So, uh, I, you know, again, and I'm not like with an eight pack and a perfect body, uh, but I think I'm in pretty damn good shape for my age and I'm pretty strong and hang with all these guys who are way my junior in the gym. Um, and at the end of the day, now I am that dad who I can play basketball with my kids. I can play football. I can jump on a mat and do jujitsu with them on a moment's notice. And I couldn't have done that if I didn't change my lifestyle and my mindset. And, and so how does that feel like to be able to, to be able to amazing. do those things? Feels amazing. I'm top of the world. You know, listen, at the end of the day, before I even got into really, I mean, actively into the mindset world and meditation and breath work and priming Tony Robbins and all of that stuff, I was already pretty positive, happy-go-lucky, kind of keep going guy. So yeah, yeah. when you get your body like that, that's one piece. When you get your mind and your body like that, then it's even another layer. And then when you can get your soul and your heart and your purpose, i.e. I just picked some random backgrounds and we'll change it a few for those on the video watching the top that's cut off. It says my purpose is to help heal the world one person at a time. So when you live in your purpose, you just chest is up a little more, smiles on a little more, doesn't feel so much like work. You know, I mean, think about it. This is my work day. It's the middle of the afternoon. I'm talking with you and some great people about what I do. That's great to me. I am yeah. in t-shirts and lucky hats and shorts. You know, I didn't have to wear a suit. I didn't have to drive an hour. I don't have to think about exactly what I need to say to Matthew. I just speak from the heart and let it flow. And that's how I always was. And that's how I always will be. That's awesome. And, and you just, you just dropped a big name there. Um, Tony Robbins. Uh, so I know you've been, uh, with Tony Robbins on stage, there's uh, some photos of that. And uh, talk to us about that. And how did how did that help yeah. with your mindset? Because you said you were already positive and go lucky uh, before meeting Tony Robbins and following him and um, talk to us about that. Yeah, absolutely. As I'm saying, happy go lucky wearing the lucky hat. Um, as you see, I have like 30 something of these in many different colors. So, you know, it was the point where I remember on my website, I have a dial that says how many pounds lost, how many uh, clothing sizes removed, how much muscle gain, and it broke through 10,000 pounds removed. Wow. And I remember sitting there going like, all right, now what? Like, what do I do now? I've taken over 10,000 pounds off people. I'm making good money. I'm working not as hard. I'm feeling great. I'm living in Florida again, um, and I'm good. So I got a little stuck, to be honest, because even someone who's happy-go-lucky and motivated and focused and on fire, you could always be more motivated and more on fire and more purpose. 
So everybody's like, you got to go talk to Tony Robbins. So hashtag blessed, uh, went to date with destiny. And it was just like mind blowing. I'll still never forget my conversation. And um, I tell him the whole, you know, the finance piece, the fitness piece, everything I just said. And I said, well, I took him 10,000 pounds now off of people. And he basically, and I love saying this was like, that's cute. How are you going to go help millions of people? And that just like level set me right there. And um, I still remember even going, well, if I train seven people a day times seven, and he's like, Mark, you're not listening to me. I'm like, oh, okay, you're right. He's like, millions of people, stop playing small, stop thinking small. And I was like, well, I'm thinking about starting a CBD company to complement my personal training business. Great idea. P.S. We talked a little bit, full disclosure, and that he's not a partner, investor, just gave me some good ideas and good thoughts. And one of the things I love to share, because everyone's like, wow, what went on in that meeting? Like everybody wants to hear that gold. But one of the main points was just get something that is natural and healthy and will help heal people. Don't yeah. worry about the models and the girls and the marketing and the, how you're going to do this and the click funnel and the blah, 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 blah. he's like, just go. And I never forget. And what he says to me, because remember, Mark, imperfect action is better than no action at all. Mm. And that really got me. And then I went to business mastery and learned about business formations. And then I went to UPW where we walked on fire on March 13th, my wedding anniversary with my wife. Flying my best. Yep. It was okay, okay, good. You ready for this story? Me, my wife, my best friend growing up his whole life on his birthday and my anniversary, all walked fire barefoot, first time, Tony Robbins, private lane. And then I launched my business right there. Wow. And it was like, that was one of the top few days of my life. And from that second forward, game over. You know, then it was go to another event, go to another event. And speaking of said picture, I think you're referring to. That's quite the hot start you got to your business there. Right there. Yeah. Yeah, Awesome. Yeah, that was when, uh, and by the way, God bless, I met like, you know, gold medalists and track stars and athletes and UFC people and football people and, you know, a lot of great people and got connected. And what you're looking at there is full circle. When I started competing, uh, there's an event called Business Mastery. It's six days long. I'm sorry, five days long, 12 hours a day. You learn all about your business. But inside there is a competition piece where you make a mock company and a real charitable raise. So I stand up in a room, which I'll never forget. The average team's like 30. There's thousands of people in the room. I stand on a chair and go, I'm Mark Siegel. I'm going to win this thing. Who wants to join me? And 100 people walked over to me. Uh, Because I had such certainty when I was saying that they were like, we're on this guy's team. And now they're all looking up at me like, all right, what do we do? And I happen to be in a room full of a lot of newbies. I'm like, well, we got to make a company. We got to get behind the cause. P.S. That was when the Australian wildfires were happening. And I was kind of getting them going. But then I looked up on Google, a billion animals died. 1.1 billion animals died. So I scream on the chair, a billion animals died. We got to help these people. We got to help these animals. Who's with me? Then I look, now I have 200 people in front of me. And mind you, everyone else's team is 30 at max. Maybe 10, 20, 30. P.S., 
After three and a half days, we had 400 people, the largest team in history. We had those red t-shirts made, designed, overnighted, and thousands of us in the audience had that shirt. And then basically we won. And he said, who started this? Come on up, gave me the microphone and said, go, address the room. And I'm like, uh, and basically I like blacked out-ish and didn't think about anything about what we did. And I'll never forget, I said, I wanna thank you for allowing me to be a better husband to my beautiful queen sitting right there who was watching this whole thing. I wanna thank you for helping me be a better dad to my amazing children that I'm now closer and better with. And most importantly, I wanna thank you for inspiring me to start a business that I've helped probably 10 times the amount of people in the past couple of years than I have in my life. And I just started crying and the whole place went crazy and I handed the microphone off and that was it. So yeah, fast forward, it kept going, more events, more people. I won a virtual event the first time they did it virtually. We raised 50,000 for the homeless. We saved 30 kids from human trafficking. Wow. I have never stopped. I have done more charity in the past few years than I have in my life. And, and so it just feels great. So that, that prompted the, the charity side or was there? Oh yeah. I mean, I was doing a little charity already, but mm -hmm. you've not seen charity until you sit in one of these rooms and you watch, you know, a million dollars get raised in 25 minutes to save 15,000 children from trafficking in an hour. Yeah. That's, you know, I mean, that's, that's when you sit there and watch that, you're like, man, you know, I need to really like step up my charitable game a little. And the, that kind of reminded me of a, a thought uh, that some people have about money. And uh, I'll, I'll throw this at you of, um, they don't want to make a lot of money because they don't see the good it can do. They've seen, maybe they have parents or they have people kind of like what you were talking about. They didn't have that fulfillment. And some, some of those things like were neglected, like, um, you know, your fitness side, for example, was neglected. Some people have had families that are raising up and their, their parents weren't in the picture because they were always working to go on you know make this or that um and so talk about the impact that you can make with with that money like that feeling of like for especially for the charity side you know if you can give a child water in africa that doesn't have any clean water like hey i'm drinking 100 ounces of water today a child in africa might not even have a cup of clean water yeah. and so yeah. talk about like the emotions with that do you have any have you thought about that yeah, absolutely. And I'm trying to think back on the first event that I saw the really big raise because, you know, uh, Business Mastery, if I recall, which was my second event, they usually do a really big piece of that. And I remember when they started showing videos and they're like, listen, trigger warning, we'll show you some videos about trafficking and it's going to get graphic. And I got to tell you, you know, as a human, it's hard enough to stomach and watch any of it. As a parent, you can't, I mean, I had to walk away a couple of times and it really struck a chord. And then I always remember Tony would say, you know what, start giving a little bit now. And even whether going back to faith to throw another F in, 
my Jewish friends, my Catholic friends, my Protestant friends, my Greek Orthodox friends. It seems like somewhere, and someone could correct me ever if I'm wrong, that there usually is always a charity piece in religion, faith, or what have you. And a lot of people would say, like, give 10%. So what's funny is, you know, Tony would say, hey, if you made $100,000 this year, did you give 10 grand to charity? You know, because if you don't, when you make a million dollars, you're not going to give 100 grand. When you make 100 million, you're not going to give 10 million. When you're a billionaire, are you going to give $100 million a year? And, you know, it's funny because I go on a ton of these Zooms and everyone's like, ah, I don't have the money. I don't have this. I don't have that. Listen, charity is in so many different ways. And I think people don't realize it. You can volunteer. You can help. You could send some old stuff from your house that costs you zero. You can share or promote someone's charitable event that will bring more people with more money who have more impact and do more cause. Yeah. And it costs zero. So to answer all of that, it's hard in one sentence, but you know, the more events I went to, the more I started realizing I've got to give more. So I started giving more and more and different ones, you know, over the past couple of years, I've given umpteen amount of money to pediatric oncology support team, helping kids with cancer locally here and their families feeding America, which is Tony's baby. He loves to div with to help hungry people, uh, operation underground railroad and dawn of freedom for fighting human trafficking. Uh, I've also on sidebar done a lot of work with American Foundation of Suicide Prevention, especially over the past couple of years, because I don't need to get into the whole conversation about depression and anxiety and COVID and suicide. I mean, it's bad and really bad in UK uh, to the point of historical numbers. Uh, I've also given to epilepsy. I've also given to um, cystic fibrosis I work with locally. So there wasn't really like that one aha moment per se. I think it was just being programmed-ish, if that's the right word. Um, and it's funny because I say that some people think programmed is a negative connotation to it. But I think being programmed to do charity is a good connotation to it. And then yeah. I tell my friends about it. You know, we went to Tony's birthday. We were blessed. Um, and that was the biggest raise I ever saw of anything in my life where they raised over $13 million in three hours, I think it was. Wow. That's and he didn't even stand on the stage. And then he gets up and goes, you know what? Where are we at? And they're like, 13.1 million. So I'll throw in five. And I was like, do what? $18 million right now at a fundraiser for his birthday? So again, not to keep talking about Tony, but on his own birthday, you know what he wanted? He wanted to raise money for charity. That's awesome. And when thousands of people watch that and do that, they've changed their mindset for life now. And I really liked what one of the things you were mentioning is about charity isn't necessarily about that dollar amount because you, you mentioned about your time. And so anybody that's listening to this, you know, be thinking about different ways, you know, maybe that clutter in your house uh, could be another value add for someone else's household. Um, so you're kind of clearing out your mind from that clutter and yep. giving that dollar to that organization. So um, especially when you're thinking about where to donate, make sure it's a cause that um, is using those money, that money wisely. 
um, because there's some charitable, other, oh, there's yeah. some charitable organizations out there that um, might not necessarily be using that money for that. It might be actually a for-profit donation center. Um, so be checking on that. Um, and I want to be respectful of all of our time here. And so one of the things that you mentioned is CBD. Um, and so um, you went into the CBD business. I want to just highlight that if anybody's interested um, in that. And so what ways have you found that it's um, benefited people and, and helped people? Oh, that I'll try to really compress because I could talk for days. And we're actually in the process of editing 125 video testimonials. So as I've been fresh to watching these, I will say it is a game changer. Um, in summary of all of it, I have clients that are six to 96 years old. I help children come off of Adderall, Ritalin, Focalin, Vivance, Lexapro, teens, college people, Vicodin, Xanax, painkillers, 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s, elderly, Roxycontin, Hydrocodone, Oxycontin, Percocets, um, all of what I've created is 0.00 THC. You can okay. do a hair test, blood test, urine test, you will pass. I have gold medalists. I have law enforcement. I have military. I have city workers. I have professionals, a couple on NBA, NFL, two Hall of Famers, and a couple people I'm not allowed to even talk about. I have in a certain networking organization that we both know, dozens upon dozens. What have I physically watched with my own eyes? People that couldn't do this, doing this in three to five minutes with rheumatoid, playing piano, working out, going shooting, playing tennis, pickleball. I've seen, I've saved factually that I know of a minimum of over half a dozen lives of people that were suicidal. Uh, oh, wow. Three sets of parents in HNP have reached out to me privately and one on a Zoom in a breakout room that I saved their kids' lives. That is powerful stuff. Taking my own father off of Roxycontin and hydrocodone from a decompressed disc and a degenerative spine with CBD. How do you even you know, top that? Taking a NYPD SWAT off 120 Percocets a month that was shot in the head, shot in the leg with 16 surgeries, eight metal rods in his body and two rhizotomies. Can you imagine? Oh, Stopping man. a gold medalist with a double hip replacement, uh, helping moms that are stressed out of their mind eating pills like candy, and now they're not. So yeah, I could go on and on, but it's menstrual cramps, it's joint pain, it's anxiety, depression, inflammation, cholesterol, blood sugar, blood pressure, focus, sleeping, and many, many, many other things. So, you know, I just feel super blessed. We just crossed through and I keep, I'm very numerical. I guess it goes all the way back to my stockbroker days. We just broke through 4,000. So I'm at 4,014 people as of last week, serve, happy, and zero returns on 100% money back guarantee. So that's awesome. 
I mean, it, it makes it easier to have a money back guarantee when you have a good product. That it sounds like it. Absolutely. <laughs> I get borderline brazen. My New York comes out sometimes, you know, when someone's like, well, how do I know? You know, everyone says you're the best. And I'm the, I'm like, I'm the best. And they're like, no, my cousin's brother's friend has stuff, stuff that didn't work. And the, that's great. Try this. It will work. I will change your life. Period. That's Let's awesome. Very brazen about it. And I always do charity to last bow on all of that is almost actually 90 plus percent of the time that I run any sale, I have a charitable piece to it. So if it's Memorial Day, we're given to the vets. If it's July 4th, we're given to the military. If it's uh, Labor Day, we're giving to some, you know, whatever. There's always a piece where it's going to charity because I will never forget that I have to keep giving the charity keep serving. And the last thing I'll say to put a bow on this is that, you know, I look back and when I was in finance, I took, it was mm. take, take, take the money, take the money, invest it, make a little bit for myself. Da, 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 da. When it was fitness, I gave and gave and gave, but it wasn't really super financially lucrative. And then finally towards the back end, it was, and now I give, I heal, I donate and make the money. That's like the trifecta. I mean, look, I'd rather have more money. Who wouldn't? Because going back all the way to something you said earlier, and I wanted to remember to address it, money is energy. So it doesn't matter, you know, if you're an evil kind of person and you're nasty to people and you're angry at the world and you're short with everyone and you got lots of money, guess what? You're still going to be that guy or girl. Yeah. If you're a happy-go-lucky person like me and I make more money, I'll do more charity and make more parties and help more people. So it's what are you going to do with that money and what kind of energy are you going to put towards that money? So yeah, you know, uh, and in closing, um, and again, this seems a lot like the Tony Robbins show, but as I could say, I've been very influenced. Success in his mind is to do what you want with who you want, when you want, as much as you want. Mm. And that could be on someone who does that on 50 grand a year, on 50 million a year, on 5 million a year, you know, it's not necessarily just the money. If you want to, you know, live in a hut and make rum drinks and, you know, just make sure you're okay. You don't need a lot of money, but you're happy. If you need four houses and six cars and 10 stock accounts and whatever it is you need, then you get to work. Um, but to me, I'm kind of living that dream of I've got my family life. I've got my business life. I've got my body in check. I've got my mind right. I've got my soul right, my charitable piece right. Now all it is, fast forward for whenever our next episode will be, is just more. Helping more, serving more, be an empath, be a servant leader. Don't walk into every Zoom and room and event and everything and, and say, buy this, take this, gimme, gimme, gimme. Yeah. Give them and it'll come back to you. And um. And one other thing I wanted to note for anybody that's uh, just for a reminder, you know, what he did for that mindset was he visual visualized. And so making sure that you put those things up, writing out your goals uh, 
and I'm sure you write out your goals often. Oh yeah. I have whiteboard. I mean, forget it. We have the background now, but I have a whiteboard in my bedroom. So I believe in whiteboards. I believe in vision boards. I believe in cutting out the little picture that the thing you want, visualize it, speak it to the universe. And again, you know, there's different theories of camp of, okay, well, I want a Bugatti Chiron. That's $2 million. Look, if your business is making a couple grand a month, you probably should pick something a little more realistic than a $2 million car. Um, I was always in that camp. But then there's always someone who says, well, it's unlimited, dream big, big. Listen, I dream really big. I could dream in a lot of zeros too. But I might say to that person who's a couple thousand, you know, maybe you say my goal is to make 5,000 and then my goal is to get a $50,000 car. And then my goal is to pay off that car so I don't have a bill. You know, because everyone's trying to keep up with the Joneses and everyone's got a, um, a one-upsmanship and it's kind of a poor part of society that I hate that everyone's, oh, oh, you have this? Well, guess what? Oh my, I just went out and bought one next week better and bigger and faster and more. And for what? Like, what is that really at the end of the day? Does that guy sleep any better, you know, with the $190,000 car than the $60,000 car guy? Probably not. Right. And guess what? That guy could hate his wife. That guy could have a miserable relationship with his kids. That guy could have, you know, just because you have money doesn't make you a happy-go-lucky person or successful. Yeah, exactly. And in the eyes of what is successful for one is another picture. And I think that if you have our four categories, you have your faith, you have your family, you know, you have your uh, fitness and you have your finances are all in order. Um more than likely uh, those are all good things and so um just be definitely be thinking about those ones um well thank you so much for for taking the time to be on our podcast here um if you guys want any cbd products or you want to be able to reach out to them i'll definitely have that in the show notes uh and so without further ado uh this is the rude four podcast thank you thank you everyone thank you thanks for having me